Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 12 today. If you're, if you're kind of getting into this book with us, we take the Netflix approach to the Bible, where we binge watch one book of the Bible at a time, most often. So we're going to binge watch the book of John. We've been doing that since January. We'll be done in, uh, in, in June or so, but we're watching John like I watch the West Wing. I no longer watch it in sequential order because I've now on my eighth, eighth watch through. So like I'll go from season one to season seven and then season three and then season five and back to two. And that's kind of what we've been doing. So we were in 18 and 19 last week. We're now back to 12. After Easter, we're getting back into seven. So at the end of this, the goal would be you'll be able to say, hey, I think I learned something about the gospel of John, but I don't know exactly. Did he, he was born and he died, but something happened in between to Jesus and I'm not exactly sure, but that's okay. So, um, that's where we're going to be. So we're going to John chapter 12. Um, some of the verses will be on the screen. There's paperback Bibles underneath you that'll match what I'm reading. Let me pray and then we'll uh, get into this. Well, God, we are thankful that you, you do just love us, that mostly what you do is love us, that you look on us with affection. Uh, and we need to know that today. We would like to be refreshed in that today. And so we just ask that you, as we open this text, that you would take it and make it more than words that it would be even more than what I feel like you've given me to put on paper, that, that instead, Jesus, you would be working uh, in our hearts uh, to help us see you more clearly today. Um, God, we walk in with a lot of stuff, uh, small frustrations, deep sadnesses, some anxiety about a lot of things, but God, we just ask that you would maybe help us press the pause button on that so we can just be with you for this little bit. We pray in Christ's name, amen. In 1925, T.S. Eliot uh, penned his famous poem. It's called The Hollow Men. Uh, I read it this week. It's very strange. Uh, but the most memorable part of it are the last two lines. The last two lines of the poem say, this is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Palm Sunday is the beginning of what we have come to call Holy Week. Uh, from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, Holy Week, those last days and hours of Jesus' death, of Jesus' life and ultimately telling of his death. And during Holy Week, we find that Jesus' end is not in a bang, but a whimper. Although on Palm Sunday, you'd be likely to think otherwise, because on Palm Sunday, it's loud, it's celebratory. The crowds welcome Jesus into the city of Jerusalem like a conquering king. They're partying, they're going all out, but by the end of the week, the tone changes. The bang becomes a whimper. Soon the shouts of Palm Sunday fade and their cries grow silent. And pretty soon Palm Sunday rolls into Good Friday where we find Jesus alone and deserted. The story of Palm Sunday, the story of Holy Week really is this, that this is the way Jesus ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. Today I, we're gonna look at John 12 and we're looking at John's recounting of that first Palm Sunday. Of the four gospels, there's a lot of content they share and there's some content that they don't. John, the, the story John tells about Palm Sunday is one of those rare occasions when all four gospel writers tell the same story. There's something important in these moments. And as we listen to the bang and then hear the whimper, we see a Jesus who is in one moment surrounded by fans, but who is soon to be deserted by even his followers. 
John 12, verse 12 through 16, it says this, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him, and they shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, hail to the king of Israel, or in other translations, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem, for look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. Verse 16, his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was the fulfillment of prophecy, but after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. You know, Jesus enters Jerusalem, John says, he's greeted by a crowd of Passover visitors. At this time of year uh, in Israel was the Passover, and people traveled from miles around to come to the city to celebrate their highest holy day. Uh, Passover, it tells us the story of this, that when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, God set them free when they slaughtered a lamb, painted its blood on their doorposts, the, the angel of death passed over their houses slaying only the Egyptian firstborn sons so that that nation was so weakened, so hobbled that Israel walked out scot-free. This story is so central to Israel's life. They celebrate it year after year after year over a meal where they gather and they say, "Uh, what is different about tonight from all other nights? Well, this is the night that we remember that we were once slaves in Egypt and are no more. The events that John is recording are almost like the sequel to that event. Uh, it is, the, it is the, uh, you know, the force awakens to the return of the Jedi. It's telling the next segment of the story. And, and Jesus is greeted by these Passover visitors who have been expecting a Messiah, and they hear of Jesus coming into the city, and they're so excited that they begin this celebration. They take their cloaks off their shoulders and lay them on the road. They grab palm branches off the tree and lay them on the road. This is something that you did for conquering heroes. This is something that would happen in Rome when Caesar came back from the battle. And here comes Jesus riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, and he is greeted by cries of, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if you were to look up the Greek word Hosanna, you would actually not find a Greek word, but a Hebrew one. The, the, the New Testament that we have was originally written in Greek, the Old Testament originally written in Hebrew. And Hosanna is a Hebrew word written in Greek, fancy word for that is transliteration. So there's your $20 word for today. Hosanna simply means in the Old Testament, save us please. It's in Psalm 118, a psalm that actually the, the Israelites would sing and pray on their way to Jerusalem, a psalm of ascension. And Psalm 118, 25, save us, we pray, O Lord. Hosanna, or in Hebrew, Hoshia na, means help us, save us, we need your aid. But, and these are the words that Jesus hears when he enters Jerusalem. He hears the crowd saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. But here's the thing about the word Hosanna. The word changed in meaning over time. And so when the, when the psalmist first penned it, it meant, save me, please. It was the words that you said when you fell off the diving board. Okay, but what happened was the words changed, the meaning of the word changed, not to be what what you said when you fell off the diving board, but what you said when you saw the lifeguard swimming towards you. It means help is here, help is arrived, it means I'm saved. And so as the crowds see Jesus coming in, they're greeting him saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, we're saved, he's here. Jesus comes into Jerusalem as a conquering king, he comes back into, he comes into Jerusalem like LeBron coming into Cleveland last summer. You know what I'm saying? 
But something shifts because by Friday, these people are nowhere to be found. And so we're kind of left with this question, how is it that Jesus is greeted by, as a hero by the masses on Sunday, but treated like a criminal on Friday? How is it that Jesus is welcomed like a conquering hero on Sunday and then shamed and shunned by Friday? How, how does that happen? To answer this question, we have to look at the difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. To answer this question, we have to look at what's, what's different between being a fan of Jesus and, and a follower of Jesus. You see, those gathered in Jerusalem meet Jesus with these cries, Hosanna, help is here, salvation has come. But it's because they have a narrow and maybe even incorrect view of who Jesus is and what he's come to do, of what kind of salvation he has come to offer them. Because look at verses 17 and 18 of this text. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That's the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Now, listen, we jumped through this book a lot. We did, we did John 11 like four weeks ago. But in John 11, Jesus raises his friend Lazarus from the dead in a little town just a stone's throw away from Jerusalem. I'm talking like the difference between like Warren and Champion here. Uh, just that much distance. Of course, news has spread. And now Jesus comes in. They've heard of this miracle worker. They've heard of this guy. How could you not shout Hosanna? Because if I'm in that crowd, I know some dead people too. <laughs> if I'm in that crowd, I've heard of this Jesus. He's fed masses. I'm hungry. I've heard of this Jesus. He, 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 he's raised, he, he's healed people. I have sick family members. And so here's this Jesus who everybody is expecting to behave in a certain way. And they come and they greet him with these cries of Hosanna, these cries of Hosanna. But then by Good Friday, just like five days later, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be Friday, which is only concerning because I have three sermons to write in between now and then. It's going to be here. So what happens in that short period of time? Well, look at what John records in verses 20 through 28. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and they said, sir, we want to meet this Jesus. And Philip told Andrew about it, and Andrew was like, yeah, I guess so, and they went together to ask Jesus. And Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and it dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Think about that. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Jesus says, my soul is deeply troubled now. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? No, because this is the very reason I came. And said, Jesus says, Father, bring glory to your name. The fans that gather on Palm Sunday abandon Jesus by Good Friday for just really one reason, and it's this. Fans don't follow where Jesus leads. Fans don't follow where Jesus leads. I mean, look at what Jesus says. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, for my servants must be where I am. 
fast forward to Good Friday, and Jesus is betrayed by one of his disciples into the hands of the religious leaders. He is denied by another one. And in the last moments of his death, John only says that John is there with three other women, all of them named Mary. One of them is Jesus's mom, who, you know, kind of like had to be there. It's easy to be a fan of Jesus. It's much harder to be a follower. It's easy to be a fan of Jesus. It's easy to like the guy, to enjoy the teaching, to retweet what he says every once in a while, but it's, it's harder to be a follower of Jesus because following Jesus, following Jesus means that we give up our lives so that others may live. Look what Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. It's easy to be a fan of Jesus. It's easy to sing the songs and wear the t-shirts and like the Facebook pages. But it's harder to be a follower of Jesus because following Jesus means that we care for nothing in this life. Jesus says those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Jesus, it's easy to be a fan of Jesus. It's easy to sit in the chair. It's, It's harder to be a follower of Jesus because following means sharing. Listen to this. Following Jesus means sharing in the honor which the father bestows on his son. That sounds great, Kyle. I want to be honored by the father. Sign me up. But what kind of honor is the son given? He is given pain and suffering, abandonment and death. See, it's easy to be a fan of Jesus. It's hard to be a follower because you're going to be honored with the same honor that Jesus has given, pain and suffering and death. Remember, Jesus says, my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, get me out of this? Save me from this hour? No. He says, this is the very reason I came. It's easy to be a fan of Jesus. It's harder to be a follower of Jesus because following Jesus means following Jesus to the cross. Because Jesus says in Mark, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Listen, Here's why Jesus is the star of the show on Sunday and abandoned by Friday, because they were fans on Sunday, and fans will not drink the cup of suffering he has to drink. Fans will not be baptized with his baptism. Palm Sunday draws this hard line in the dirt, and and on one side are the fans, and on the other side are the followers, and, and this is the difference. Fans show up when it's easy, and they can get something from Jesus. Fans show up when it's easy, they can get something from Jesus. I mean, why were all those people there on Palm Sunday? Hey, I've heard you've healed people. I've heard you've done these things. I want in on that. I want those Sam's Club samples. I'll join in there. But I'll tell you what, when it gets hard, when the going gets tough, the fans disappear and only the followers remain. These fans wanted something from Jesus. He wanted them to do something for them. But the problem is they, don't, they totally fail to understand exactly what Jesus has come. Jesus is not just like a miracle worker. He's not just a wise teacher. He is the savior of the world. And so Jesus says uh, in verse 31 that the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of the world, will be cast out. And when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Look at verse 33. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. He says this, and it's like you hear the trombone do like the because I'll tell you what, the, the music goes quiet. It's like a screech on the record player. Everybody pumps their brakes. The Son of Man must be lifted up from the earth. The Son of Man must die. That's not a, I don't want to follow somebody wimpy. 
I don't want to follow somebody that can be wounded. I want somebody strong and professional and rich and mighty. And mighty. So the party dies as soon as Jesus says this. And so we ask with the crowds, it, we understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the son of man will die? Just who is this son of man anyway? And Jesus replies, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they're going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. There's, there's this recurring theme in the gospel of John. And the recurring theme is this. Nobody really gets Jesus. Nobody really sees Jesus clearly. Nobody ever hears exactly what Jesus is trying to get at, which shouldn't come as a surprise because at the very beginning of the book, John writes, he, Jesus, came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and they even rejected him. Jesus is only rarely ever seen or heard clearly in the gospels. And that's really ultimately what we need to hear in this. The difference between a fan and a follower is something so simple that all of us who grew up in the church are gonna shut down our brains because it's like, well, I figured that part out, Kyle. I pay you to like tell me new things. No, listen, the, the, the difference between a fan and a follower is one little word, it's trust. What did, what did Jesus just say? Put your trust in the light while there's still time. You know, John says that he came to the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But then he says this, he says, but, this is why I keep wanting to preach this series called the big butts of the Bible. But, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. See, that's the difference between a fan of a follower. That's what Jesus means when he says, anyone who serves me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. Following Jesus and being where he is, trusting him is the vital difference. It's the line in the dirt between fans and followers because you see fans, fans have a casual on again and off again relationship with Jesus. It's an as is convenient relationship with Jesus. But followers, followers, something has changed in them. They have come to this singular conclusion that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. They have come to the conclusion that Jesus is exactly, exactly who he says he is. And if that's true, everything in my life has to change. Because now this Jesus, who has seized me with the power of his great affection, uh, if this Jesus is who he says he is and has come to do what he has done, then everything about my life has changed and I will join him and follow him anywhere, even unto death. I will join him and follow him anywhere. I mean, that is the verse that stuck out to me. I've been in Palm Sunday my whole life. Nobody has ever showed me this verse that says in the middle of Palm Sunday that Jesus says, if you want to serve me, you got to follow me and you got to follow me wherever I am. Fans have this casual on again, off again, as is convenient relationship with Jesus, but followers, followers have come to trust Jesus. They have come to trust him. And because they trust him, they will follow wherever he leads. And so here's the invitation on Palm Sunday. Here's what Jesus wants you to say. I want you to hear on Palm Sunday. He wants you to hear two words, trust me. Trust me. Look at verses 44 and 46, through 46. If you trust me, you're trusting not only me, but also the God who sent me. For when you see me, 
you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. You see, Jesus asks for something insanely simple and overwhelmingly demanding. He asks us to trust him. And again, like if you're raised in church like I am, you're like, heard that in first grade, sang the song, can we go on to the next class, please? But we can't escape that the central message of Jesus in our lives is, do you trust me? See, and when we use that word believe, which they mean the same thing in John, but believe, doesn't that sounds so much more intellectual. It sounds so much more conceptual. Of course, I believe these things. But when I say the word trust, oh, now we're getting personal. Because to trust Jesus is deeper than an intellectual assent. It is deeper than just some emotional thing. It's a reordering of your whole life around a person. Listen, I, I trust my wife. And that means that the way I think about things is different, the way I live my life is different, the way I talk is different, the way I talk about things is different, the, the way that I carry my burdens is different, the way that I handle my money is different, the way that I do these, everything about me is different because I, I, I trust her. I trust Zach. I trust Zach, so that means everything about my life is different. I mean, namely, I go to the gym now, which didn't happen until that happened, but, um, which I knew you could tell because I'm so svelte, but because I trust him, because I trust him, the way I think about things is different. The way that I live my life is different. The way that I carry my burdens is different. Because I tr- when you trust somebody, this is not like, a, I trust him and we write Hallmark cards. No, my whole life is different. My whole life is different when I trust somebody. And that's ultimately, ultimately what Jesus is asking of us is for us to trust him. And, and it's not just go to church and sing the songs and give the money and do the things, although it might include that. At its core is, Jesus saying, come and live your life with me. Drive to work as if I'm in the car. Go to work as if I'm at work with you. Parent as if I'm parenting with you. Not looking over your shoulder, uh, trying to find the places that you've done wrong so I can say, aha, I found it. No, it's so that he can support us with this thing called grace and, and live our lives with him and under this thing called his love and his affection. That's what Jesus is looking for on Palm Sunday is people who trust him. He's looking for followers. He's looking for people who trust him. People who listen to Jesus when he says, trust me when it's good and the boundary lines are in pleasant places. Trust me in that. Trust me when it's hard. Trust me when everything that you thought was stable and secure is now up in the air. Trust me when it means pain and suffering and bearing the weight of disappointment. It's trust me. This is the difference between a fan and a follower. A fan cannot trust and will not. Oh, they'll get in the crowd, they'll sing the songs, they'll do the things. Jesus doesn't need fans. What he's looking for is followers. He's looking for people who trust him. If that's you, if you're saying, Kyle, I want to trust Jesus, the thing that I keep finding over and over and over again is that all we really ever have to say is yes. An angel goes to Mary and she says, look, you're going to conceive a son. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. She's 14. She doesn't know the difference. She just says, yes, your thing. Jesus shows up, sees some fishermen beside a lake, and he says, why don't you guys come follow me for a little bit? And they say, okay. Jesus is looking just for our yes. It doesn't have to be this big, complicated thing. It gets big and complicated after, let's just be honest. 
because now I'm having to think about things differently and live differently, goodness gracious. But if you're here today and you're saying, I want to move across the line from fan to follower, all Jesus is looking for is just for us to say yes. He's looking for us to say yes to follow him even to death because that's ultimately the difference, right? It's really easy to be a fan on Palm Sunday because look, everybody's here and we're having a great time and there's street vendors and they're feeding me and it's great, but it's a whole other thing to be a follower on Good Friday because it means standing at the foot of the cross and watching this bloodied, beaten pulp of a man with a crown of thorns pressed in so hard that you can see his skull because the skin has been moved down and, and his hands and wrists are bleeding and his legs are crooked and he's heaving these ugly shallow breaths and he is pierced on the side and water runs down. See, it's one thing to see a Jesus riding on a donkey and be at the party and say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Only followers stand at the foot of the cross and see a bloody beaten Jesus. Look at him and say, Hosanna. Help has come. Hosanna, blessed is he, this one who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to give you our yes. Uh, we want to give you our yes today. And so um, support us and sustain us in your grace today. Help us to be people who see your help coming uh, and to rejoice. Help us to follow you uh, even when it's hard. In Jesus' name, amen.